Welcome to Customer Value Cast, a podcast dedicated to helping you acquire, retain, and expand more customers by putting measurable value at the heart of your customer lifecycle. Join our host, Ross Fulton, founder and CEO of ValueWise, as he dives deep into how reoccurring revenue businesses are maximizing their growth and valuations with the industry's leading experts and pioneers. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode here of the Customer Value Cast, the show dedicated to putting measurable value at the heart of your customer lifecycle so you can retain and expand more revenue and customers within your recurring revenue business. Very excited for today's show because it's the first show I've done, and we've been doing this now for a year, where we're actually going to have the ValueWise team, or part of the ValueWise team at least, on the show. Emily, I know you've been on the show before, but we're also joined by Tony Dioria, who is another one of my favorite people in ValueWise. And we are going to do a very interactive, radically candid, no holds barred look back on 2022. We're recording this in the build up to Christmas 2022. And it has been quite the year in the customer success, net revenue retention, customer value realization, etc. domains. And so we're going to do a quick look back and see what have been some of the major revelations, WTF moments, wins, losses in our domain and industry. And then we're going to look forward. We're going to look into 2023 and start to make some predictions that we will look back on next year and be, oh, well, we got that horribly wrong, but maybe, hey, we got that one right. But it's always fun to try and make some uh, forward-looking statements. Uh, but before we begin, for anyone that has not had the privilege of connecting with you both, Tony and Emily, why don't you introduce yourselves? And Emily, why don't you go first? Sure. I'm glad to be here again. Sometime guest, all-time listener. Is that what I'm supposed to say? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great to be here. I'm the chief client officer at ValueWise. And so I have the uh, profound honor of working with all of our clients to ensure that they are achieving the value that we promise to provide to them. So my background is in many different client-facing roles and lots of strategy and operations. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from Tony and Ross about what their insights and look back moments were, because I've got some interesting ones today. Nice to see you today. Awesome. And Mr. Dioria. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Thank you, Ross. Great to be here. As Emily, you said, first time caller, long time listener. <laughs> I'm an industry principal here at ValueWise. I, I've been with ValueWise for about two years, but have spent 10, 12, 15, somewhere around their years in customer success, working as a CSM, working on process improvements, leading CS teams. And more recently at ValueWise, I spent a chunk of my time here leading our strategic practice. So working with our clients, building strategies that focus on net dollar attention and value creation, really from the end to end, working very closely with Emily and Ross, two of my favorite people. I'm excited to be here and talk about what the year's been and what we're looking forward to next year. Awesome. So we as collectively as a three We've been at this, in this industry, in this domain for, I mean, collectively, outside, including our 10 years and journeys outside of ValueWise for, I would say, kind of 40 to 50 years combined. ValueWise, probably higher. Yeah. In ValueWise, a significant amount of years at it. And I would say I would class 2022 as one of the most interesting and I'd say rapidly evolving years out of that trajectory. 
and and time period. And I, I think evolving and interesting, not just in terms of progress and evolution that's advancing this domain in, in companies and what we specialize in B2B technology enterprises, but also I think an, a year of reckoning and a year of realization of hmm, maybe that actually doesn't make 100% sense. Maybe we do need to pivot. Maybe we need to revise. Maybe we need to reconcile. And obviously 2022 being a yet another year in recent years of some macro events that have driven some of that realization, some of that reckoning, some of that necessary refinement, and also some of the very positive evolution. So if we do look back, and Emily, Tony, you go in whatever order, sequence, or just talk over each other, whatever works for you, but I mean, some of the highlights, let's start with the positives. I'm not to say that we have to call out negatives specifically, but let's focus on positive to begin with. What have been some of the positive revelations, highlights you've taken from 2022 in our space? Well, I have a quick one that kind of piggybacks off of what you said. And I think it's, for me, it's been a year of recognition for customer success. And I think what a lot of us, and I'm sure the two of you can relate and and many out there is it's been a year of recognizing that customer success is such an important component. CSOPs, you know, in particular as being really what bolsters that component, you know, you get whispers of that through any economic downturn. And we've all seen that over the past couple of years, but the beginning of the year didn't start out quite as the same as the end of the year. Yet We were still really talking about the importance of customer success, retaining customers, expanding customers, focusing on net dollar retention, and how important the customer success team is to doing that. And what we know is that it is important for the customer success team to be driving that and championing that, but that it is something really that the entire organization needs to rally behind. We're starting to see more of that happening. What's been really refreshing for me is, you know, when I put myself up on my CS cross is finally what we're seeing in these organizations and in the market is that there is that realization that the importance is there and that that leaky bucket can't stand and putting a lot of the same principles that you have put in the past on how you think about marketing and how you think about sales. And I know we're probably going to talk about digital customer success and digital engagement as as we go through these conversations. That's been a really hot one for this year, but really thinking about the strategies and the importance and the investment that you put in those things and flipping that and turning that into, well, then how do you do that on the post-sale journey? And so for me, that has really been the key, not even necessarily a light bulb moment, but where the other light bulbs, maybe they're getting lit, even though mine's been on, I don't know, but really seeing that kind of come to fruition and be table stakes rather than a new concept or something that you have to rally the organization around the concept of as challenging as that might have been in the past. It's a much easier thing to get people on board with. I would say that was like thematically the big thing for me with lots of other components that I saw this year that that support that thinking. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it'll be interesting to loop back to that very accurate observation, which is great because that type of achievement of status then triggers a reaction from the elements that have either pre-existed or have been emerging alongside the emergence of this department and this component, as you describe it, of customer success. And I think that reaction, as we 
maybe look at the latter third of 2022 is now very interesting to be seeing and we can talk about that. But Emily, for you, what have been some of the sort of more, I guess, what you would judge as positive highlights out of 2022 in our world? Yeah, I will reflect similarly on Tony's insight just around kind of having this moment of, okay, (laughs) now we're moving. Now everyone's kind of figured it out a little bit more. Obviously, at ValueWise, we work with a full spectrum of companies, some of whom, you know, this is old hat. They've been doing this for many years. They just need a partner to help them over a transformation hump or help them with something that's clearly mapped out. And we've had a few of those this year that had very clear strategies, very clear plans. And of course, we work with many clients who are just at the beginning of their journey trying to figure out how do you transform your entire business model. And it really is a full business model transformation from a a perpetual license model to a recurring revenue model, especially in B2B. That is just something that I think we're starting to see more companies come to that conclusion that they need to have some kind of recurring revenue, even if it's not their full book of business. And they're having those light bulb moments of, oh man, this is a change. This is a sea change within our organization. It's not just slap some CSM labels on some (laughs) unsuspecting folks and hope they get it right. It's, It's a financial change. It's your CRM needs to change. It's how your folks show up and drive value and what value even means and what is a customer. It's really a fascinating thing. But what's really neat is to start to see that not only is there this acknowledgement that this is a value driving business model, but also that in order to really capture the value behind this business model, you must invest in its health. So of course, I launched my uh, LinkedIn Live series this year on CS Ops conversation, which if you haven't tuned into that, it's on our LinkedIn Live page, you can find it. But that series of conversations that I had this year were really designed to help drive awareness of the criticality of an operations and, and really a strategy organization that can underpin this massive revenue driving part of your company. And it's been really refreshing to see folks not only show up for that, but that there's even more, uh, it's like a fan club. There's a bunch of fan club folks out there who are raising their hand and saying, hey, I do that. I want to do it better. I want to do it more. So that's probably my biggest positive uh, moment from this year, similarly reflecting Tony's moment, you know, we at ValueWise have been (laughs) making and drinking Kool-Aid for a bit. So this was a nice year to kind of watch everybody say, hey, I'm I'm thirsty. What's that about? Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. 100%. I think, yeah, like Nick Meta at Gainsight describes it as as CS getting a seat at the table and that really, I think, being driven, as you say, by the emergence of the economic connection, fundamentally, at least for us at ValueWise, net revenue retention, tying that to what is being described as customer success and the equivalent investment strategically, operationally, organizationally has been a a huge piece of 2022. As I said before, that has got to create a reaction because there are other, if you just boil it down to the dollars and just the investment principle, where investment goes one way, it's not going the other way. And where you've got, again, other 
departments, other strategies, other operational components inside these B2B technology organizations that are seeing kind of dollars flow towards this customer success concept. It means the dollars are not flowing towards them. Before we get into, we all know where this is leading to as a discussion topic into the real-time climate right now because of the economic downturn. But just to take a step back from that initially and look a bit more holistically across the year, what have you both been seeing around that reaction and the, I guess, the engagement, the attitude, the presence, the participation of these other important components like sales, professional services, technical account management product, TAM organizations over the course of 2022 alongside this kind of, I'd say, breakout year for, for customer success? Yeah, I feel like, and again, you know, we're kind of looking at 2022 in a fishbowl ourselves, because we've been practitioners, the three of us, we do look very good for how many years that we have on our resumes, just saying. But, you know, we've been kind of pushing this big rock up this hill for a while. And so to encapsulate 2022 and what that experience looked like, I have to almost turn off my history of my journey on this path because just so many folks are starting this journey for the first time really this year, which is great. But thinking about, you know, stealing from Peter to pay Paul within your organization, it it is an interesting friction point. And I think that that manifests not only in budgets and priorities, but it also manifests from a customer perspective, right? If you aren't thoughtful about how this new motion appears inside of your your company, it's going to negatively impact your customers, which is the last thing that you want, because those are the folks that give you the money to pay Peter or Paul, whomever you wish. And so a lot of the time, what we have seen and are continuing to see is this kind of struggle of what is customer success? What is the right motion for my company with account management and value consulting and support engineering and professional services and education and scale and marketing and sales? Like All of these pieces are customer adjacent and customer facing. And we end up with a lot of folks kind of trying to do that Seinfeld bit where they all walk through the door jam at the same time. Or maybe that's friends. I don't remember. It's probably every single show. But, you know, we're kind of getting stuck and no one's making progress and the customers on the other side saying, what is happening in your business? And so I think that beyond the kind of arm wrestling match that we are continuing to see where we've got these kind of pillars of revenue generation who have historically been able to speak in dollars and say, I am marketing, I have this much budget that's going to generate this much revenue, here's the math. Sales, I am sales, if you give me this much budget, I will generate this much revenue, this is the math. This year, we're starting to really see customer success say, I am a revenue generator, I maintain and retain our revenue, and here's the math, which that math we've really not seen in any consistent way at our clients before this year in a meaningful way, especially with those new ecosystems. So I would say that the nice thing, you've got that kind of push for the customer experience, which is hard and we need to figure out how to play more consistently there, but you couldn't beg, borrow, or steal money because you couldn't speak in numbers before. And that I think is really 
shifting the tides of, yes, net new is critical. Yes, marketing and retention marketing are critical. And if you operate a recurring revenue subscription service in your business, revenue retention is critical. And here's the math. I could not have said that better myself. <laughs> I, I think along with that, and you know, this looks at how you're thinking about all of those different business units and even within the business unit of CS, but that concept of right person, right activity, right time, and making sure that that is really thoughtful. So when you're looking at that customer journey and you're kind of sharing that responsibility along who should be doing what, it's very much like what we're all familiar with, with right message, right person, right time, is thinking who is the right person to drive that activity? Does that ownership or does the expertise for that land within sales? Does that land within marketing? Does that land within product or customer success? And what is going to make you be the most effective? Being efficient is obviously super important, but what is going to make you the most effective? What is going to have the most impact? What is going to drive the most revenue as a result for that? So really thinking about what that customer experiences, what that customer is expecting, and what is going to make the most effective customer interaction as you think across those departments and the roles within them and those jobs that need to be done. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, yet we have events like, now this book came out at the beginning of the year, but it's, it has been engaged in whether it wants to be or not and the associated author in only in the last sort of two two to three months towards the end of 2022 in this conversation around the future of customer success in relation to its existence as a department as a as much as yes it's emerging and 100% it needs to be treated and approached as a revenue generating center, there's a cost to that and therefore seeing it as a cost center relative to other cost centers that are customer orientated at least. And the event being that Frank Slootman's book, which Frank is the CEO of Snowflake, and what I feel like, I have no idea, I've never spoken to the guy, but if I were him, I might be a bit like, well, hang on, don't overblow what I was trying to say here, but it was literally a handful of paragraphs in his book, which was talking about, hey, customer success shouldn't be a department. It should be this sort of enterprise-wide strategy and onus and, and something that everyone's doing you don't need a customer success department per se you should expect and have all your organization doing that that has been sort of taken by i think people who already had obviously this agenda in mind as a part of the case that they built and now i'm seeing executing on to say you're right we don't need customer success we're going to sort of go all in on, on our original kind of professional services or account management type tracks and have them drive net revenue retention, have them drive customer value. And I'm seeing it going the other way in that it's like, well, why do I need professional services and customer success? Like there's, I'm not sure if this is in the public domain, so I'm not going to sh share who it is, but a very large CRM vendor, let's leave it like that. I know that it, they have a goal internally that in the relatively near future, there will not be a, a version of customer success that isn't monetized. Everything about customer success will be monetized in this company. And so there is this question mark emerging because obviously the macroeconomic situation at, at the end of 2022 is driving, okay, we've got to reduce costs. We've got to have a clearer path to either sustaining or achieving profitability as a B2B technology company. I can't therefore afford to have this swarming of 
a customer by all these different roles and functions inside my organization. Something has to give, something has to go. And almost like customer success being arguably the last to arrive at the party, it's that potentially risk of being first being asked to leave the party. What are your, both your perceptions on that and that being sort of this somewhat opposite dynamic of 2022 breakout year, customer success got a seat at the table, end of 2022, a lot of CS organizations are now fighting for their lives as it relates to being at least sustained at their current sizes and investment profiles in the CFOs. Well, and that's where I think of, you know, these reckonings that have come for sales and marketing, for example, in the past, and what have they done and the emergence of technologies that help support a digital journey on that perspective and thinking about how a buyer buys. And so what is actually required? I mean, if you think about the sales cycle for a B2B software company, how many buyers come like very fairly educated on exactly what it is that they might even say, I know it's this product, move me past all your stages. I just need to talk about cost and, you know, what might this actually look like? And you know, I guess that's an ideal scenario for a software company. But if you think about how buyers are buying, and then you think about what is actually required to support that, there is all of that content. There's all of that digital, there are all of the AI, all of that to support that. And the same thing on the marketing standpoint as well. So those two organizations have been thinking about efficiencies through technology to be able to help them do more with less, but be more effective. And not necessarily does that mean you need to reduce headcount to be able to support that, but potentially reposition headcount to areas where they can be more effective. And if you look at that on the customer success side, and what we are starting to really see a large focus on is that digital element of customer success and what tools and what activities support that, and then what roles are required to support that as well. So thinking about not how buyers buy from the sales standpoint, but how do customers consume? Is it product-led growth that's going to support that? Is it digital CS that is going to support that? And then what are the people required to be able to do that? And that's where you're seeing a shift to maybe some more people doing CS ops or something focusing on that CS ops activity. But I was talking to a former colleague and what their organization does is they actually have people driving those campaigns for those specific segments that are more digital touch. Again, very similar to what you would be seeing on the sales or marketing front. So I think taking what those departments have learned about how to be efficient and how to grow intelligently and applying that on the CS side allows you to be more effective. I've said that already today, but, be, but to be more effective and to be really intelligent about where that investment is and how that investment is actually turning into additional dollars for your business. Yeah. I, I'm going to be a little provocative <laughs> and say there are actually very few companies that are actually doing customer success management, that particular job, the way that it was. I think originally intended. I'm going to be a little provocative and say there are a lot of customer success managers whose job is actually very expensive support. I'm going to say there are a lot of customer success managers who are actually account managers managing renewals mm -hmm. and gentle expansion. I'm going to say 
that there are a lot of monetized CSMs who are actually professional services because that's what professional services is. And so if we're thinking about the core of what specifically CSM is, I think CSM is a role that can be very valuable, but it's had different titles in the past, such as client advocate or client consultant, right? So these are individuals whose job is to help a large, complex organization maximize the value of the platform that they have purchased to benefit the company they purchased from by benefiting the customer that they're working with. That is an internal, me as the vendor, investment in my own recurring revenue. And so if your customer, I have uh, some opinions here, they might not all be right, but <laughs> if your customer is successful- I'm feeling them, I'm feeling them. Well, we said it's spicy, it's the end of the year. <laughs> I need some eggnog. So I think the core of a customer success manager is actually in response to the value economics of switching from perpetual on-prem license companies to recurring revenue. Because it used to be, as a salesperson, as a marketing team member, I only needed to get you in, and then you're going to give me a million dollars, and then you're going to get whatever it was that I sold you. Enjoy. Now you're going to give me $10,000 every month. And I have to get you back to that position where you're going to get me a million dollars. Well, that's a, a heck of a long time. Your user experience has suddenly become this thing that I think B2B technology companies are scrambling for. And because they haven't gotten to that place where the product embraces the user, where the product leads the user through the experience, they have to use human beings to do it for them. Yeah, no, some really good points in there. And I think you used the word term value economics, and that is a, a discipline we're very passionate about and excited about at ValueWise because, for many reasons, but one being, which I think is relevant to this current battle raging inside the C-suite of a lot of enterprise B2B technology companies around, hey, what should I be paying for? What should I not be paying for to drive in quotation marks, customer success, is that there isn't any economic foundation to be able to talk about how efficient should I expect to be and how do I drive that efficiency when it comes to the cost of serving my customers, the cost of creating value for my customers, the efficiency within which I can drive net revenue retention. Tony, to your point, with sales and marketing, CAC efficiency, government acquisition cost efficiency has been knocking around for quite a long time now, and it's become a relatively standard set of metrics and financial modeling that this, even this, the finance, the FP&A, the CFOs of the world are, are understand and certainly are holding sales and marketing to be able to explain and justify why they're going to invest A, B, and C if it's going to impact CAC and CAC efficiency. I haven't seen it yet in net revenue retention, my, just the kickoff predictions for FY23, that has to happen, that will happen in FY23. And it will then bring into focus, okay, well, what are all these functions doing that drive towards what we think of as customer value, customer success, whatever we want to call that? Because you're right that certainly, should we be inv investing in the success of our customers in return for their ARR? Sure. But we're also fine as a business to be charging them for professional services, which 
a what is professional services versus is there an unprofessional service you can offer them no you're always going to offer a professional service but why are we charging for that but not for customer success but again i don't think there's a, a simple answer that just applies to every company in every situation but these discussions are going to evolve and they're going to happen and yet there isn't really an economic set of standards and models that can be used to really effectively answer this question and what i'm seeing is just this knee-jerk reaction to what we saw with the initial sort of emergence of customer success over the last five years which is well it's just an organizational design problem i just got to work out kind of who should be called what and who should report to who and maybe how should they be incentivized okay now we've got to reduce costs we've got to okay i'm going to go back to my organizational design and say okay have i got the right people named in the right way incentivized in the right way have i got the right numbers and not get to what you're pointing to emily to the fundamentals of the strategy which is around definition of value for customers and the role of the product in driving value for the individual user through their usage of the software and how do we solve for that not how big a ps organization should i have or shouldn't i have but yeah, it's certainly easy to say, hey, here's what needs to be done, but not easy to do it when you're talking about the complexity and scale of some of these companies. Um, what other sort of forward-looking statements, predictions, I feel like we should have a little slide with some disclaimer on it, but would you both sort of make for, uh, for the listeners here to kind of think about as they eat their Christmas turkeys and puddings? Yeah, real quick, and I'll tie it in so then, Tony, you can take us to the next bit. There is to kind of tie a bow on what you're describing there, Ross. Why is professional services charged for, and why would I recommend, at least in this scenario, that customer success would not be when they're both really investments in the customer's overall value of your product? And I would put it to you that human beings are better at adding things than they are at taking away. And so professional services support and sales are legacy systems that are designed in a legacy way for legacy ways of selling and purchasing primarily technology in this instance. And the question might be, if we're thinking of customer success as really how it's evolved over the last five to 10 years from being a person to being an organization, which includes not only your post-sale business analytics uh, motion, which is ops for a lot of folks, but also your scale engine, which is strategy and ops for us, your customer success management organization and support professional services, education, et cetera. So all of those post-sales teams. And I would say maybe not next year, maybe not in five years, but I think that the whole delivery model, end-to-end, and the acquisition model need to be re-envisioned, and customer success was a reaction to a new phenomenon that there was no one to solve for. And I think that if I were to spin this into a prediction, and again, it's not next year, but it's something that will happen, is that revenue retention for B2B subscription technology should be the KPI of the product team. And revenue expansion should be the KPI or the net dollar retention should be the KPI of the broader customer success ecosystem, which I would say should include product. Interesting stuff. Tony, what about you? You called out sort of digital earlier and I think it's impossible for us to not 
acknowledge both what has been, uh, I think, a progressive year on that digital front, but still, to me, sort of, as much as, yes, progressive, I want to say nice things, but really mind-bogglingly slow and disappointing, to be completely candid, around the advancement of digital and let's bucket in kind of customer intelligence in a B2B context over 2022 and use of advanced analytics that then can drive that much more propensity-based digital action with a customer which needs that more advanced analytic logic to drive. It's still just painfully slow and I think we could have a whole episode diagnosing why that is the case but looking forward into 2023 Tony do you see an improvement on that front? I see a start. I mean, when we talk about all of the capabilities and what, you know, a lot to Emily's points, uh, we're dragging these things along and doing things in a way because that's how we've always done it. When I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but if you look to the other areas of the business, they are using the exact same kind of tools or methodology that we should be using post-sale as well. And maybe they're not exactly the same tools and seems like a lot of times they are. But as I'm having these conversations, I'm talking to a lot of different partners and a lot of different point solutions. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is what we do. This is what we do. We really sell into sales and marketing, but we would love to get into customer success. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, there is a perfect use case for it there. But those businesses haven't necessarily thought through exactly what that looks like and what that value prop is. And, you know, to some of us, it seems immediately obvious, but then what do you do as a business once you have all of this intelligence? I mean, sales orgs got it figured out from a conversational intelligence standpoint, for example, marketing has got it figured out from a digital body language perspective, you know, where are people going? What are they clicking? How long are they hovering on this specific link? All of that. And how do we take that? How do we use it in CS? But then like, what do you do with all of that data once you have it? The three of us have lots of ideas about that, lots of thoughts, lots of ways to execute on that, strategies to build to be able to support that. But I, what I see is that shift into, okay, well, what else can we use to support us to maybe not do more with less, but to be more effective, to be more thoughtful, and to be more cutting edge with what we think about using? Um, and turning to, and I mean, you know, for the CS leaders out there that are listening, it might be really cheap for you to get into this stuff because there's already a subscription happening within sales or marketing, for example, and you just might be able to tag on a couple licenses that you might need, but you know, it's not necessarily eat your own dog food, but like what's in the pantry, right? Think about what do you have at your fingertips? What tools are in that toolkit of your business that you can think about leveraging in a way that is going to have a meaningful impact in the post-sale experience? So that's what I, and maybe that shift will happen because I can't stop talking about it as I'm sure the two of you have seen over the past couple of months. I, I, don't, I don't imagine that I'm going to be shifting things, but I'm certainly going to be talking about it a lot more in 2022. I know others are as well. So that's kind of a shift I see starting to take shape. Yeah, yeah. No, I think great observations. I would echo that with a, another sort of call out that 2023 will be a year where we'll see meaningful progress around the discipline of customer intelligence and using advanced analytics in a B2B context because the emergence of some pretty cool specialized point solutions and i'll call out one sturdy.ai 
is they're real and they're real products. Thirty does this very cool natural language processing, looking at text-based data, like lost in just the millions of emails inside organizations that are containing interaction between customer and CSM or equivalent uh, customer-facing team member. No one's really meaningfully mining that at all today, let alone extracting advanced insight to then drive next bet action. But it's the capability there, and I think it's going to be uh, coming. I think conversational intelligence, I think that's going to hit post-sale NRR, CS world in a big way in 2023. So I'm excited to see that. And it does then, final question and final, I guess, discussion point. Let's talk about quickly about technology, because certainly that's a an area around kind of customer value, customer success, NRR that uh, we live and breathe again as value-wise. And again, I'm going to call out the CSP world, the customer success platform technology market. And I'm like, what did they do in 2022? Nothing. They achieved nothing. I don't think they achieved anything. They really have sort of like, sure, maybe achieved stuff as businesses, but as it relates to advancing the domain, I honestly can't sit here and think, God, wow, wow, that was amazing. One or that category of technology vendors released in 2022 that really pushed the domain forwards. Maybe that will evolve into 2023, but I think it's going to be these more point solutions, these upstarts rising that are really going to sort of catalyze uh, some of this domain, especially around advanced analytics. And it will be interesting to see what the CSPs do with that in conjunction with uh, obviously the CRMs players out there as as well. And I, I think the other area being sort of value selling and that that category of technology as well. I'm like, come on, you can do way better than that. Where, where's a really dynamic collaboration layer between vendor and prospect and then customer around success plans and outcome achievement? It still boggles my mind that doesn't meaningfully exist in the market as a really go-to solution. But yeah, what are you with your takes around this kind of technology side of our domain and what we uh, at least would like to see and hope think should will happen in 2023 around technology yeah first of all tony if you made up digital body language you should trademark immediately <laughs> and sell it <laughs> no as, as pretty i as definitely a... did not <laughs> if i claimed it i actually probably could get sued because <laughs> uh years ago i worked at eloqua and the founders there actually came up with that published books about it i think the one is called digital body language and yeah it's a great little word there so <laughs> but no definitely not me <laughs> Well, I think technology down the road, however long it takes, moving toward B2B user experiences that drive value at the user level, I think that you're spot on, Ross, that it has to come from a more thoughtful use of data and insights. And of course, right, we all prototype things in spreadsheets and we all prototype things in people. Because spreadsheets are lightweight and people are really fast computers. And so, again, I'm not suggesting that this is a everybody flip a switch and and you're on this new path. But as we are evolving technology in general, our dependence on ways to get more insightful data, more actionable insights into the people and systems that we rely on to service our customer base, at the end of the day, that all helps our product organization not only see what is moving the needle there, but also 
start to bake those things into how they're showing up for the user. And so I think from a systems and technology perspective, we are seeing some consolidation of system types post-sale. You know, I think that those can be good, but they can also really stifle innovation. And so, you know, we've got this very large literal tower in the Bay Area around a specific CRM that kind of ate the world. And how has that helped CRM be creative? Well, it created a lot of copycats that do basically that, but at a lower price point. I think that that similar type of motion may be happening with CSPs where we're kind of getting these players that are trying to eat the world and how will that work for CSP innovation? Maybe it will just create a bunch of copycats. But I do agree with you, Ross, that there are these really interesting data-oriented, insights-oriented, natural language-oriented systems out there. And there are existent systems, as Tony mentioned, that are underutilized for the use cases at the breadth that they could be. And so I do think that in the next year or so, we're going to see really creative strategy and operations professionals start to make connections internally in ways that are effective, that are cost effective, that are efficient, that really, I loved your your analogy of the pantry, like what is in the pantry? I don't want to go to the store, <laughs> right? I need to make dinner. I don't want to go to the store. What do I have access to? And then finding very targeted new things to introduce into their ecosystems that are just going to maximize the value. You know, these kind of big box one-stop shops can be really helpful, especially if you're kind of just trying to solve a, a macro problem. But as folks continue to evolve, I think you need these like very targeted systems. Yeah. Very good. I'm going to wrap it up there. Otherwise, we'll be there for days or be here for days, which I would love to be. But our listeners, if nothing else, have other things to do, I'm sure. So, Tony, Emily, really appreciate you joining the show today and for all the insights you've shared. For anyone listening who might want to connect with one or both of you, how can people uh, best connect with you? I love a good LinkedIn connection. I'm Emily R. Spear, S-P-E-E-R. And you can always email me at emily.ryan at valuewise.co. I also love a good LinkedIn connection. I am Anthony D apostrophe A-U-R-I-A, which can sometimes be a tough one for some search engines there. So the apostrophe can be important. Or uh, on email at anthony.d-a-u-r-i-a at valuewise.co. Either way, good to get a hold of me. Wonderful. Dioria. Beautiful name. Love it. So (laughs) everyone listening, tuning in, thank you for your energy and attention in consuming our ranting and raving. Hopefully there's been some very good, useful insights and takeaways. If you're interested in topics and many others that we've talked about in the show today, do check out www.valuewise.co for our resources section where we have plenty of articles, eBooks, previous podcasts, webinars, LinkedIn lives, all on these subjects, or just simply reach out to us and we'll be happy to always have a chat. But in the meantime, enjoy the remainder of 2022. If you're listening still inside this calendar year and value wise yourself and value wise your customers.